to From the Stairs, your one-stop shop podcast for insider access and in-depth interviews with your favorite Billiken coaches and players. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter at Billiken Podcast for the latest news on future episodes. Now, here is your host, Billiken Athletic Director, Chris May. Welcome, Billiken fans. Today is a special edition of, of our From the Stands podcast. St. Louis University inducted 11 individuals and two teams into the Billiken Hall of Fame this past weekend. Following the ceremony, I was able to sit down with some of the inductees to briefly discuss their SLU careers and what the university has meant to them. First, I welcomed in Dr. Richard Chaffetz, yes, of Chaffetz Arena and uh, many other places, the Chaffetz School of Business here on the SLU campus. Rich is a SLU graduate whose generosity to the Department of Athletics and St. Louis University will have a lasting impact for many, many, many years. Rich is a feverish, uh, loyal Billiken fan who has made an unbelievable difference to our program. And so I welcome Dr. Richard Chapins. First and foremost, Rich, congratulations and thank you. And if you'd share with our fans what it means to go into the Billiken Hall of Fame. Sure. Thank you very much, Chris. Well, obviously, I'm extremely humbled by this. St. Louis University, uh, I love uh, from the bottom of my heart. And uh, it's something that I always am trying to focus on, helping to become better in every way. Business, um, school, athletics, the overall academics of the university. And as everyone knows, I'm incredibly passionate about Billigan Athletics. So being able to be inducted into this hall, which was quite a surprise to me, I told the story earlier today when Chris first called me, I misinterpreted what he was saying to me because I must have been in shock. I thought he was inviting me to attend. So once I realized what he had said to me, I immediately called him back and said, yeah, I'm dropping my plans to be in Florida that week and I'll be here, Chris. So I'm incredibly honored and very appreciative of being able to stand up there with these great uh, athletes and and other individuals who have contributed so much to this tremendous university. Well, we, we couldn't be more honored to have you join this unbelievable group with us and and as I shared at our event I am so proud to see what St. Louis University means to our community and what it means to all these former athletes and these community people who all rally around an athletic program right if you could share why has that ignited you I mean when you come back right you have a passion and a fire for being competitively successful and for every Billiken team right you've been soccer games and volleyball games right and basketball games where have you gotten that inner fire for success that you have been able to translate and help universities and programs and especially our athletic program and I can't thank you enough because when you engage and you you help us take the, the bar to the next level how have you been able to do that and what is that secret sauce that's really been able to drive you to be successful yeah I mean it's a, it's a good question and there's a long answer but I'll, I'll try to answer it quickly um, as most people know a little bit about my story I'm incredibly dedicated to St. Louis University and appreciative of what the university did for me. When I was a freshman, I didn't have the money to pay my tuition, unbeknownst to me. My father was supposed to pay it. They had asked me to come to the bursar's office. They told me I was in arrears. If I didn't pay the tuition, I'd be asked to leave. Father Reinhardt at the time was uh, believing in me to the extent that he allowed me to stay because I made a commitment to him that I would pay the university back, and more importantly, I'd pay the university 
university back in a big way. I've always remembered that commitment and I pride myself on fulfilling my commitments and I know what the school meant to me in terms of my career and education and it really shaped me uh, in not only just my career but also my personal life and my sense of values. So I'm incredibly passionate about everything that goes on here and every chance I get I want to get involved and help us get to that top level because I'm proud of what this school is all about. I don't think it's known enough in, in the community, excuse me, around the world. I want to elevate the, the uh, reputation of St. Louis, and that's my mission and goal because it meant so much to me personally. Well, Rich, first of all, we can't thank you enough. And most importantly, please accept our most sincere gratitude because the, all the successes we're having, 3.4 GPA for 365 kids, teams competing for championship, more exposure than the university's ever gotten through basketball. All of these things wouldn't happen without what you've done. And so we want to thank you. Well, thank you. And, you know, the Jesuit mission is unique um, and it, it, it embodies the whole idea of a broad education. And I could tell you, even though I've had my financial success in business, a broad education is what, is what got me and helped me get to where I am today. And St. Louis University embodies that. And I, I encourage everyone to really look at what this school does and consider it as a university for your kids for the future. It's a great, great place to learn. Great. Thank you. And Thank go you. Billiken. Thank you. Next, I was joined by Earl Austin, Jr., Earl is the longtime radio analyst for Billiken's men's basketball games alongside fellow Hall of Famer Bob Ramsey. The duo have been calling slew games for more than 25 years. Uh, we're sitting here with one of the all-time great community treasures is what I call them, is when you look at high school, youth, collegiate, across the board sports, nobody has uh, represented our community in a, in a better, more gracious way than Earl Austin Jr. And so when when the committee came out and uh, voted uh, Earl Austin in, I couldn't have been more happy to get to make the call because this is one of those unbelievable servants that, as I put it, is always there for the program, is always there for the Billikens. There's no nothing in it about him. It, it's all about every time I talk with him, it's, it's something positive and it's something great about the Billikens. So first of all, Earl, congratulations. Um, congratulations on joining such a great group and, and it's our highest honor that we can give someone. And so uh, congratulations. Thank you for whatever, everything you've done. And what does it mean to you? Oh, it, it's, a, it's such an honor to be uh, part of the history. I mean, the St. Louis U has had such a great history of its sports and all different sports. And uh, just to be a small part of it, it's very humbling to receive this award. Uh, Billiken basketball has been a passion of mine for, you know, obviously 28 years as an announcer, but I've been following Billiken basketball since my high school days, listening to the games and going to the games. And uh, to be the, be one of the radio voices of it for, for this long, it's a, it's a special feeling today. Uh, I will correct you because please uh, know you're more than a small part. Um, <laughs> you are a, a big part because you you are one of those ambassadors that is, I'll tell you, as an athletic director, that you always hope for because you hope for those people that are out there at high school games, on the air, everywhere else, saying nothing but good things about your program. And I will tell you, from me, there is never a question 
that you are out there selling our program in the highest class way that could happen. And so I want to thank you. I want to thank you for doing that. At what point did the Billikens really become on your radar? Well, growing up, one of my teams was University of Louisville. And then when I moved here, Louisville was in the Metro Conference. So I got a chance to go watch the Cardinals down, down the old checker dome play against the Billikens. And it was a lot of fun. And Daryl Griffith. Yes. Yeah. That, that was one of my guys. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Doctors of Dump. Well, it so happened when I was at Lindenwood University, my sophomore year, one of my roommates was Henry Leonard. And his happened to be the older brother of Daryl Pee Wee Leonard. Mm-hmm. former uh, Central High grade course played here at St. Louis University. Right. So Pee Wee used to come up to the room and we'd bring a few players. Sometimes they play ball with us and everything. So that's when I really started really following the Billikens, following Pee Wee. And, and then Pee Wee, he was one of the first great St. Louis to start to come back to St. Louis. You know, obviously the Billikens program in the 40s, 50s, 60s was built on great players from St. Louis. They had great success. And then Coach Rich Grower took over. And then one of the pe- first things, Pee Wee came back from Georgia, and then that kind of started the, the floodgate of great Billikens coming straight to like Monroe Douglas, uh, Roland Gray, Anthony Bonner, and by then I was really rolling with the Billikens as well, coming to games and watching them just win games and, and filling up the Keel Auditorium. And uh, so I, I was in college back then, and it was a great, it was a tough ticket to get, which was great, and it was a lot of fun watching all those guys from St. Louis really bring the St. Louis program back to you know where it once was being successful. Fast forward it to today, and obviously St. Louis recruiting is unbelievably important to us today, and how Coach Ford is building this program back to really having those roots in St. Louis. Where do you, where do you see it going from here? It can go nowhere but up. Travis Ford is a tremendous recruiter, a tremendous communicator, as well as a tremendous coach. Watching him at his initial press conference here at Chaffetz, you could see the enthusiasm in the crowd in the fan base, but you also saw many former Billiken players and then coaches in the community. And Travis said, I am committed to not only recruiting the best players, but the best players from St. Louis. And he proved that right off that that wasn't just coach speak or just, you know, just wasn't saying it to be saying it. He went out and a couple of months later got a commitment from Jordan Goodwin, who was the top prospect in St. Louis. And then, yeah, then came just more guys coming. Cartier Gordon followed. Now you see three young men from St. Louis. Yuri Collins, uh, T.J. Hargrove, a junior from East St. Louis, and uh, Tremaine, I mean, uh, Javante Perkins from Miller Career Academy coming. So it's one thing that have a successful program. It's all You always want to see St. Louis University be successful. But when you see it successful with local products driving the bus, that really, you know, it means more to the local products. That's the, they wear in their home on their chest. So uh, to, to watch them do it, and we saw it in the past years, it's special. I, I really uh, applaud Travis for doing that. Well, and that's what we saw today in the Hall of Fame. We had this great ceremony, and what was the one? What was the one common denominator? It was a St. Louis base. Yes. And you had so many people taking such pride in it. That's the thrill for me as the athletic director is to see the pride of the tradition and the history of the program. That's what's great for me to get to be part of. I want to thank you, and please accept our most sincere gratitude for what you do, and for you being on the team. Well, thank you for that, bestowing that great honor and being a part of uh, such a great university and its athletic program as well. I really appreciate it. We couldn't be more proud. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. Bridget Fonke Forshaw was a key component of the St. Louis volleyball team during the most successful period in program history. 
Bridget was a member of the Billiken teams that advanced to the NCAA tournament in 2006, 08, and 09, and won two A-10 championship crowns. First of all, Bridget, congratulations. Thank you. Thanks for being here. Thank you very much, Chris. It, Thanks for having me. It's, it's such an exciting time for me when you get to see people come back that had su such success, which you and your teams obviously did. Um, first of all, share with our listeners, first, what the Hall of Fame means, but second, what your experience as a Billiken, what that means to you today. So first, it's an unbelievable honor to be in the Hall of Fame here. SLU, you know, when I think of SLU, my heart just kind of bursts with pride for my team and for the person that I've become coming through this program. Um, we worked really hard here and I, I learned how to be a good teammate. I learned how to be a good person. You know, I had a blast both playing and, and making my teammates, you know, making friends. So when you, uh, so you competed, obviously we won A-10 championships. We went to the NCAA tournament. Um, you had all this success. You're a St. Louisan from St. Joseph's Academy, local, yeah. local prep. Your family has ties. Tell us about what the family ties means to you in St. Louis and more importantly, you to SLU. So, so having my family at the home games was unbelievable. My grandparents were at every game. Most of my aunts and uncles were there. My parents, my brother was there. So, you know, when I think back on our big games, everyone I loved was in the stands. And not only that, you know, my grade school was here. My St. Genevieve Dubois, St. Joe, you know, players. It's so cool to play in front of your community and actually be a part of building the sport here in St. Louis. It was unbelievable. So how does that uh, translate? to what you're doing today your your life today post playing at Billikens what is that community meant what's that family meant uh, the Billiken family not just your family what's that meant to you and how that's helped you develop so so st. Louis is a big small town right. as we all know everyone knows each other but um, the confidence that I gained through the program was was huge just you can take the confidence from playing sports here and apply it to real world jobs you know it's it's competitive I'm in sales and it's the same competitive background and and having slew close by I drive by Shavitz Arena every day on my way to work and it's it's a good reminder to me to have confidence and you know be the best person I can be and work hard because it's right here and you know what did, what did those hard workouts with Ann Cordes do to prepare you for sales? <laughs> oh, if you can survive an Ann Cordes workout, you can survive anything. You know, there's nothing that you can't can't do. There's people don't can't bring you down because of the the mental toughness that she put us through. Um, she she it was important for her for us to be good teammates and to not let your own fear or your own um, lack of confidence bring the team down. You, She wanted you to be your best every time you showed up on the court and defend your turf and kind of fight fight every time you, you took a step out there. Well, the, the famous uh, volleyball workouts back then were, as I stuck my head into a couple practices a couple times, there was no question why we were so competitive because we competed like crazy in practice. And so games became easy for you all because of what practices were. Definitely. I, I have to be honest, going to practice was a little scary sometimes because, <laughs> I mean, if Ann sensed that you weren't bringing your A game, she would call Look you out. out on it and right. it would be your day 
for attention. And so we, you know, you learn quickly to just bring your best and, and prepare mentally to give, give everything you have. You told a, a neat story about your grandpa. Why don't you share with our listeners why the Hall of Fame was extra special for you? So it, it's so cool to be part of the Hall of Fame because my grandpa went here. Um, he ran the clock for the Billiken basketball games for years. So I, I was at those Charlie Spoon Hour games, mm-hmm. you know, becoming a Billiken fan. Um, and, and then to watch him go to the Hall of Fame and, you know, he met my grandma here. This was his school. He had so much pride for SLU. Um, I I love to take on that and, and to be part of the group in the Hall of Fame is just unbelievable. You know, he, he was an amazing man and I'm honored to be included with him. To get to continue that, uh, that legacy of your family has to be special. It, it really is, you know. I, I know they're so proud of both him and and me being there. So it's it's really cool. Thank well, you. Well, congratulations. Please, uh, like I'm telling everybody, please accept our gratitude to what you've meant to our university, what you've meant to our athletic program, and to what you do today. Because today you're one of those great spokeswomen for our university and our program, and we appreciate it. Well, thank you so much. It's truly an honor. Up next, Mike Levine and Steve Fernandez. Both baseball players on the Billiken baseball team that won the championship in 2013, having a school record of 41 victories, capturing the Billiken's third of four Atlantic 10 conference titles. Um, Tell us, first of all, what it means to you guys to be going into the Hall of Fame. Go ahead. Um, So for me, maybe I'll speak on behalf of Steve. Um, When I first heard that we were being inducted as a team, I was first shocked because it doesn't seem like it's that long ago that we actually graduated. You're not that old. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, also, I was just extremely happy that my name would be submitted with the other guys into the history books at St. Louis University forever. So it was a big deal for me, and I can't think of a better way to be inducted into the Hall of Fame than with the team that we had, my teammates. Well, obviously, it was a team that had a lot of success, Steve. What, what do you remember from that final season? Uh, you know, what you know, sticks out to me most in my mind is just the camaraderie of the guys on the team. You know, throughout my career here, we always really thrived on team chemistry and really getting that cohesive bond within the team because obviously you need to play together to win games and everybody needs to be on the same page and, you know, trying to strive for the same goals. And so, you know, the one thing sticks out is, as they mentioned in the ceremony, was that the last tournament and going down in the first game, losing, being the favorite to win the tournament, and then having to take a step back and, you know, come to the realizations now, well, we have a a steep uh, slope to climb but knowing that every guy was on board to climb that slope together and to really achieve and get that that W for all the seniors on the team and then battling and winning all those games in that short amount of time to really you know get that postseason A-10 title that's what you know first foremost sticks out in my mind about that season because it's just you know from my perspective uh, you know as the AD it was a team that always kept battling and so it wasn't a surprise to me that we lost early and came back and were able to get over it because you guys, you guys had a little bit of a, uh, an atmosphere amongst yourselves, a family atmosphere, I'd call it, that not a lot of teams develop. Yeah. I mean, that's what it looks like from the stands. Yeah. And so how does that, those relationships you guys built then, what do they mean to you today? Well, uh, to, I guess from, from my own experience, um, every single one of my groomsmen at my wedding was from the baseball team. Uh, we're still a family today. We communicate constantly, and anytime that we get together, it's like we never left. 
And so those those relationships, it's like meeting my best friends, you know. Um, at least that's from my experience. Yeah, it's it's a you know the, the the bond we built together throughout our time here and the friendships we built will be you know lifelong. Just as you saw on the soccer team, they came up on stage and how they're still close and the guys that couldn't make it because they were still going on vacation together. That's exactly the atmosphere that we wanted to build in the Billiken program on the baseball team as well as overall in the Billiken program. Like I'm sure many of the other teams are like that as well. But really build those friendships and have that everlasting friendship to really be able to reach out to anybody at any time and you know yeah. be able to ask them for something or be able to help out is just you know how we all look at our friendships going forward and like mike said we still keep in constant contact we're all going to each other's weddings being each other's weddings and it's like every time we meet we like didn't miss a beat it's like we're back in 2013 or 2012 and Mm -hmm. still hanging out and you know having a great old time yeah hopefully we're having a different time than we had back then as i recall but we won't go into those (laughs) yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) Uh, darren and i talked about you guys setting the tone for the program and that your your success and how you guys succeeded really helped today's kids really helped today's team what do you what do you think those couple um ingredients that you guys had that you were able mike you and i talked about before the ceremony today you guys kind of set the tone and we talk often about our culture and our values and what's important and and that if we teach the things that are really important in life at a young age that they'll develop. But what were those two or three that you guys remember that you were family? What were those other pieces that really allowed you to succeed and help set the tone for these teams of today? Um, I would say, you know, Steve had been here. He was one of the first classes that really bought into the, the idea of we're going to rebuild something. Um, so Steve and his class, I mean, Steve's one of the most winningest players in St. Louis baseball history, if not the most winningest, I would I think, if I'm not mistaken. Unless you go back, way back. Yeah, right. In, in, but in, in current years. Current, right, yeah, right. For sure. For and, sure. and so, a lot of games. Cool. So we had a lot of guys that bought into the idea of, we want to build something and we're going to go through some hard times, but in the, in the end, it's going to be worth it. And I think that that's the seniors when we got to 2013 had been through some hard times and we did done it together. Um, and, and that's what allowed us to be successful. And, and, and we also kind of learned along the way that the young guys were going to be the ones that helped us get there. And so we wanted to nurture the, the younger players and we did. And I, I hope and I believe that that's kind of something that we laid the groundwork for for the future teams. I think I think there's no question. Um, what have those values and work ethic and everything that you learned in baseball? How's that helped you today? Oh, without a doubt, it's you know helped every single player I think on our team get to where they're at in their career. And um, using that work ethic and that you know that ability to really have that work life balance and the ability to you know time management yeah. skills and communication skills and that extra drive that you may not find outside of you know. Every, every day coming into the athletic arena, working hard as well as having to go out, study and, you know, achieve a higher grade, grade point average and really achieve that to be able to be eligible and play. Yeah. Um, so, you know, being able to do all that and has truly and personally has helped me succeed at every interview I have ever had. I've used that work ethic that it's you know ingrained in my DNA that I'll work hard to be the best that I can in whatever I'm doing. And I have that mentality with everything you know, that I do in life. And yeah. it's truly helped me succeed in my, in my you know, business environment. Yeah. It helped to kind of create some habits that would last 
through the next chapters of our lives, um, whether it's being on time, like Steve said, or um, you, you mean, know, you mean being early, being early, yeah, 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 yeah exactly, exactly, <laughs> uh, being early, um, you know, being accountable, you know, if something is you, you know, didn't go as well as you would like, mm-hmm. you know, you're accountable for that, and I, I think that that was really important that that being here helped me personally. Um, and yeah, I, I would say just being a reliable person uh, on a team. It's really big moving into the next chapter of your life. And we kind of got to experience that. Well, first of all, congratulations to you guys uh, for going into the Hall of Fame. But more importantly, I want to thank you guys because you guys, you not only won championships, but you're here today as unbelievable representatives of what we're about. And so we couldn't be more proud of you guys and what you represent and what you do out there in the community. So thank you. Congratulations. And uh, we hope to see you back here more often. Awesome. Yeah, thank you. We'll right. Right. Thanks, Thanks guys. Us. Thank you. Next up, another member of the baseball team, Mike Viglarolo. Mike was the A-10 Player of the Year and a true leader with our baseball program for many years and had a great conversation with Mike. Billiken uh, fans, part of our Hall of Fame uh, induction ceremony, we have the 2013 baseball team, but we had a, a young one on that team, and Mike Viglarolo, who uh, developed into being one of our all-time great players, was the A-10 Player of the Year, led our team for many years, and so we've got Mike here with us today. First of all, Mike, congratulations. Thank you. Great, great to have you back with your guys. Thank you. Um, first of all, Tell our, tell our listeners what St. Louis University baseball has meant to you in life. Uh, I, I definitely had a unique situation, too, coming from New York and not really knowing what to expect. Like some people told me, oh, it's great baseball town and everything. But when I, when I was recruited and when I got here, I really got a sense of community and a very tightness that I didn't, I didn't feel at a lot of different places. And when I got here, it was, I could tell it was a different atmosphere. The coaches and players were all pretty much one group. And I think that's a lot to test. That's where our success came from, from 2012 to 15. We won the league every single year. And it, it was funny. It came in the same fashion every single year. It was, it was never pretty down to the wire. <laughs> I rem- I told her, I think 2013 for 12, we had to win nine or 10 straight games. And, a lot of the years we had to do that, and it was something special. And now these, like, I remember Margo called me last week. She's like, I, I talked to some of the guys. I'm like, oh, that's all right. I talked to them all. I'm like, I got them all in touch. So we still keep in touch, and it means a lot to really still be in contact with these guys. I remember when you came as a freshman. Um, you were the New York kid that was mm-hmm. supposed to have this bat. Yeah. And uh, you were bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and with, with obviously with great hands. But uh, you developed into being one of the true leaders, not only on the team, but in the A-10. How did, tell us about that evolution from the first day you came to your senior year when you had led, you'd been the A-10 player of the year, you'd been on some great teams. Um, tell us about your evolution from a baseball perspective. Yeah, I think um, I really grew at the end of my freshman year when I started. Kenda Hendrickson was tough on me. I would, I remember I the first Atlantic 10 game I played, I didn't do well, and he sat me the next day. And I, I, I kind of took it personally because I, I wasn't really used to not playing that much. I remember I didn't start at first, and that was the first time in my life I'd never spar- started in a sport. And then uh, I think in the, the Sunday game, my first series, 
we were getting no hit. And he pinch hit me in the ninth inning, and I hit a double. We ended up winning by one because of that double. And then after that, I, I got a lot more confidence. And I really is, I have to give a lot of credit to Hendrickson because he, even at the end of my freshman year, he gave me a lot of, a lot of, um, what should I say, like, um, important details to look over and like he would put a lot on my shoulders and then even as a sophomore I was really considered one of the, as a leader of the group because I, I overlooked a lot of things I was in charge of a lot we had a lot of freshmen that right. sophomore year and mm-hmm. I really brought those guys along and connected them with the seniors and I think that's what made that team special our freshmen and our seniors really connected and you don't really see that in a lot of teams yeah no it's uh, it's hard it's hard when you've got young young players yeah. needing to take the lead yeah. but Darren obviously saw that you had the ability to lead mm-hmm. and, and you helped make that happen and that's uh, that's one of the true testimonies to what the program's been able to do and, and your leadership and how you've helped set the tone. If you were talking to an incoming freshman today and you can see where the program is today versus when you came, it's come so far mm-hmm. from the 13 team you played on to all the championships you guys won. What advice would you give those freshmen coming in? I would say uh, take everything in and take as much, ask a lot of questions, not even in just the baseball team, but in everything, everyone in the athletic department. I remember when I was a freshman, Coach Majerus was here, and I spoke to him a couple times, and it, it, even just the small encounters I had with everyone in the athletic department, it helped out a lot. Uh, Janet, you, I speak to, and uh, just getting little tidbits here and there, it, it goes a long way. And even just in my professional life now, I, I take back some of the things I learned my freshman year, so. That's what I was just going to ask. What what has the experience of both the academic side, you, you could tell everybody of the objectives because we've been driving mm-hmm. it forever, right? We educate, we compete, we build community. And you did great at all three. What what would you tell people that that St. Louis University experience means to you today? Uh, it really does mean everything. And I, I tell everyone, they say, you, ask, you get asked this a lot after your athletic career. Do you regret anything? Would you do things the same? And I always say the same thing. I go, putting sports aside and all my achievements aside, I go, the people I met, the building relationships I met, and just the sense of community and helping out other people I learned from St. Louis University is what I really cherish the most. And I think dealing with Spencer and Jenna and that whole situation, I know we did a lot through SAC. You guys are great. It was, it really does leave a lasting impression. I try to do that even today, even today in my real life world. I try to help out as much as I can. And it, it means a lot to me and to my family. I know that. Well, first and foremost, congratulations. Thank but you. second, we want to thank you because you have made a major difference at this place. And you're going to make a major difference in any community you're in and because of the growth. And, and I want to thank you for what you meant to us. Because you're out there, when you're out there doing the great things you're doing in the community, you represent us. And when you do that, we couldn't be more proud. So thank congratulations and it. we appreciate it. Thank, thank you. Finally, I was joined by Bill McDermott and head men's soccer coach Kevin Kalish. What a great conversation with two Hall of Famers themselves to really talk about the soccer alums that were inducted in addition to what being part of the Hall of Fame means to them and what it means to this Billiken soccer program today. 
It's my honor to uh, sit down. I, I guess I can say honor, even with these two guys. But uh, uh, my privilege and honor to sit down. <laughs> that sounds with, a little more accurate. To sit down with Bill McDermott and uh, Kevin Kalish, our head men's soccer coach, to talk about the Hall of Fame. And we had a great day Saturday. We inducted the '67 team, of which Bill was on. We inducted Jack Galmich and Terry Knox and Cal Mangus. And so I wanted to first, Bill, your perspective from. The the soccer alum, from you're a Hall of Famer yourself, your team. Um, what does it mean when we when we induct these people into the Billiken Hall of Fame? Number one, and two, I was hoping you you shared a story about the national championship game that I didn't know. I didn't know the story of that game, which oh. I thought was super cool. But from your perspective, when we when we do these when we do events like the Hall of Fame and we really bring back our history and tradition, what does that mean to the alums and and the pride? Because I I looked in the audience and I saw so many guys with smiles from ear to ear, mm-hmm. with the pride of what St. Louis soccer meant to them. So when we do these events and you we've got great people like Terry and Jack has been such an unbelievable resource in the community and Callum was just a great player, three-time All-American. What does that mean to those guys and to the people who actually played on the team? Uh, I can speak for those three alumni in particular and tell you that it's the pride, the word you just mentioned, but it's the pride in the legacy and the legacy they were privileged to be a part of. Uh, first and foremostly, let's start off with Terry Knox, who played on the 62 and 63 NCAA championship teams, playing for Bob Gelker at that particular time. The program just started in 1959. Uh, Terry and his twin brother, Tim, were a formidable duo. Uh, uh, Terry, the truth be told, I think Tim would admit it was a little bit better soccer player, uh, but they were both on the NCAA championship teams. And uh, Terry himself went on to play on the CYC All-Star team, which at that particular time, in that particular era, late 50s, early to mid 60s, uh, that was the the cream of the crop with reference to senior soccer players who had played for various and assorted CYC teams, Holy Rosary, St. Philip Neri, Macahart and Mary, uh, St. Paul, St. Kevin, and Terry Knox was a member of that particular team in 1964 when they tied Liverpool at Public School Stadium by a score of oh, wow. one to one. This was the <laughs> CYC wow. All Stars cool. who played high school and collegiate soccer at the highest level. Right. But nonetheless, to be able to tie a team like Liverpool at that particular time was pretty much unheard of. And by the way, uh, that is one of the key dynamics that St. Louis soccer has always had prior to this current craze, the current cachet craze of bringing in international teams to play against MLS All-Stars at an MLS All-Star game weekend. Uh, St. Louis, via the CYC, and again, Bob Gelker, the initial coach at St. Louis University, the CYC had started that in the late 50s, early 60s, and continued that on a yearly basis, playing very prominent teams, Liverpool, Manchester United, Bayern Munich, Stuttgart, Glasgow Celtic. Uh, the list literally is endless. But at that particular time, these teams were touring. They came to the States, and they wanted to come to St. Louis. So Terry Knox was very fortunate because he was a good player to be able to arrive at that particular level of play. Uh, next up is Jack Gelmich, a teammate of mine on the 1960 17. And he was not in the first 11, certainly not on a regular basis, but whenever he came into a game, he changed it. And I think when you speak with Kevin, he will attest to the fact that being a coach, when you bring on a change, you want that player to alter 
the game. May may not alter its a total outcome. That would be ideal if he did, uh, but to make a change in that particular game, and that's what Jack Galmich did on a regular basis. Uh, but in particular, after graduation, he left, went up to the Oregon Public Broadcasting System, uh, then always always had a longing to come back to St. Louis, uh, found out that the job at Channel 9 was available, and he has totally transformed not just Channel 9 and what they do in the overall community, what they stand for, but has become a total media group, if you will, and has uh, really revolutionized life in this Midtown area, doing one large part, the influence of Jack Galmich. We did a 50-year retrospective of St. Louis University soccer. We did a wonderful documentary, and it got on Channel 9 for one reason and one reason only, the influence of Jack Galmich. Uh, Calamangus was a magnificent center back, uh, one of the players in the in the changing era of intercollegiate soccer, where the players are not just from St. Louis, not just from the United States. Greenwich, England, very strong defender, very powerful defender, uh, good in the air, very uh, seldom if ever lost a, an aerial challenge with uh, flighted balls into the penalty area, but could also play the ball in the back. Good field. ball striker, good ball striker, played the ball to the backfield very nicely. You want to start to attack. The center backs have to be able to hand the ball and have to be able to dribble the ball to come out of the backfield. Uh, he could easily do that and never hid in a physical game. He would give you all you wanted in a physical game. So Terry to Jack to Callum and then to the 67 team. And you referenced uh, the final, which was played on December 2nd, 1967 at Washington University's Francis Field. Uh, we had kind of a bumpy season, losing to SIU Carbondale by a score of 5-4. to four. Our coach at the time, Harry Keel, was absolutely livid at that particular loss. So we get into the final. It's December 2nd, 67. Uh, the game, in short, the game should have never been played. It was sleeting, snowing raining. It's coming down sideways. There's existing ice on the field, floating on the field. The game had no business being because started. Because the field was so smooth. It was, it was real nice to begin with. <laughs> and it frozen over from the night, excuse me, it was, a, uh, it was a Saturday from the Thursday games and it frozen over on Friday. So we come out Saturday and now it's just absolute Armageddon. The field, the field was atrocious. Guy Bush, uh, St. Louisan, because uh, Michigan State at that particular, it was Michigan State and South Florida. Florida. The two teams uh, to get big, uh, really began the onslaught of coming into St. Louis to get St. Louis players. But uh, at the top of the list, Michigan State. And they had a goodly number of St. Louisans in their first 11. Uh, conservative list, I mean, five or six in the first 11. So Guy Bush, uh, it's towards the end. Of, we played quarters then. It's towards the end of the second quarter. He literally loses his footing because he slides on the ice. At the tip of the penalty area, Arky slides. He can't get his balance. I remember this vividly. He slides, hits his forehead on one of the posts. He's knocked unconscious. Referee comes over and discerns that he's unconscious. Well, now now I guess we better deem the game, <laughs> deem the field unplayable. So the game's abandoned at halftime. We're declared co-champions. And then for Michigan State, the same thing happened the next year wow. when they played against Maryland. They were declared co-champs again because of another horrible field scenario. So that was two years in a row for Michigan State to be declared co-champs. Uh, but the the main thing about the 1967, uh, the over uh, the overarching appeal to that particular uh, game, team, 
era in Billiken soccer history is that it was the first team, first year coached by Harry Keel and Val Pelizero. And uh, us as sophomores, this was our first year playing for the particular team when we uh, got our soccer scholarship offers from Bob Gelker. Uh, we got promptly got a call five or six months after that and he told us that he was leaving St. Louis University to join SAU Eversville to start the program. Whereupon which we all say as a collective group Bob Gelker can't leave St. Louis University. So then we find out that Harry Keogh and Val Pelizero have taken over. Talking about lifting that proverbial bar, here we are. We have watched the Kudas teams over decades playing huge games to bring uh, national recognition to the city of St. Louis, uh, led in large part by Harry Keogh and Val Pelizero. And here they are now coaching an intercollegiate soccer team. So uh, the main... The main attitude, the main appeal we had as players going into the season was that we did not, it was like a father scenario, we did not want to disappoint Harry Keogh and Val Pelizero playing for St. Louis University. Uh, they brought their international uh, feel to the game. Harry had played on the 1950 World Cup team that defeated England. Now, we don't need to go into that whole scenario, but the mere fact that we had a guy coaching us who played on the 1950 World Cup team that defeated England, I mean, that, that speaks volumes. Now, and also goes to show you that all things come full cycle. <laughs> He left St. Louis uh, to go play with this band of uh, part-timers to play internationally for the United States. Uh, They come back from that 1950 game. Uh, No one at that particular time, everyone thought it was a misprint when the first score first came out. So they all come back to St. Louis to go back to their jobs. They had just defeated England in the World Cup. They come back, Harry's a postman. He comes back, next thing you know, he's coaching us playing soccer at St. Louis. How old was Harry when he first started coaching us? He was in his 40s. 40s. Mm -hmm. And then he, he, what he did, Kev, was he, he was a postman who had a normal route, as did Val for decades. Uh, then Harry got a super, uh, supervisor position, where upon which he could leave the post office between 1.30 and 2 o'clock, where upon which he would meet us at Forest Park, where we would train okay. from 2.33 to about 5. And as was referenced at the Hall of Fame ceremony last Saturday, we would play games, short-sided, small-sided games, 5v5, 6v6, Harry on one team, Val on the other team, and they would play with us. Kevin, I Re- think I, you got to get in shape. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Great, <laughs> Great would, opportunity for you. For, yeah. You could play against the youngsters, Kevin, but they That's would right. play with us religiously, religiously. And we would play until Harry and Val's team won our midnight, whichever came first. Uh, yeah, that's great. Whichever and, came and first. And what a blessing to have Val with us. Very much so. And uh, uh, I, I, I so much appreciate being around Val because what a humble, unbelievable leader that man is. Unbelievable. Just by Christian. So much humility. Just by his presence. Yeah. Uh, just by and, his and, absolute and every presence. Time uh-huh. of, of all persons that could and should speak for that team, and he won't do it. He you uh, do it. I, I, it was unbelievable. I begged like, Tom Pelizero to have Val. Yeah, it was so great. But every time I'm around him, you're just yeah. you're like you are around one of the all-time greats. Mm-hmm. He's, yeah, he right. wasn't comfortable doing it. And Tom said, the, the, Val, would you be glad? Would you do it? I said, I'd be glad to do it. I would prefer your dad to do it. He goes, well, he just, he's just not comfortable. Would you? Okay, I'll do it. But And, and every word that you hear from Val, it means something. Mm-hmm. That yeah. Every time yeah. I'm around him, you get... 
he, he's a man of few words, but man, the few that you get, it's so unbelievable. And so I take myself back to go, I would have loved to have seen you guys in action and he and Harry in action because he, uh, those guys are just monsters. And Harry, I find it just fascinating. Harry would uh, conclude every remark or every time he spoke to us as a team prior to a game, at training, at halftime, Val... Do you have anything to add? Yeah. No, you've covered it, Harry. <laughs> and following up with what you just said, a man of very few words. But he got us in top condition. That Therein lies a reason why we were so successful. We were always, always physically superior to our opponent. What was the, uh, the dynamic between Val and, and Harry? And how did they... Uh, you know, what other roles within the staff? That were, did they? Was it was it mutual in terms of training? Did was Val more on the fitness side? He was. He was. Kev. He was uh, clearly more on the fitness side. Uh, but they both more or less got involved in all aspects of okay. the team training. Uh, now, is the team training and the overall nourishment of the team, the sophistication, the way it the way it is now, under no circumstances. Uh, and, and no team can tell you that it is. It is it is sophisticated it is now. Not by any means. You guys weren't using heart monitors? No, we were not using we were not using heart <laughs> monitors. GPS systems, none uh, of that? Dave Schled, who was studying to be a doctor and was not the team doctor at the time, but is the team doctor now because so many of us go see him. Mm-hmm. He, he was the only <laughs> reference point we had as anybody who <laughs> We had some medical conditioning. There you go. Kevin, as, as the head coach and as, an, as a uh, Hall of Famer yourself, academic All-American, et cetera, what does uh, honoring and bringing these groups back mean to you? And most importantly, what does it mean to our guys and our team today? Yeah, look, I think, you know, obviously St. Louis University and uh, Bill kind of kind of talked about the pride and the legacy and the tradition, and it's it's obviously one of our, our strongest attributes as a program, just the, uh, the amount of great players, the amount of great teams that have come before us. And I think, you know, part of our job as, as leaders uh, currently with the current team is, is to continually try to educate and, and make them aware of just um, the guys that wore the jersey prior to them and, and the, not only the sacrifices and just the, the amount of work and sweat equity that went into building uh, this program. And so while I do think that a lot of the guys are aware and they're they're keenly interested in, in what transpired, I think, you know, we can never, never over-educate or over-communicate to them um, the expectations and and just like I said, just the overall legacy. I think I think you know I, I asked Bill if he could if he could take a moment um, when the team came to the Hall of Fame uh, luncheon just to, to to introduce and give uh, to give the team a little bit of perspective of who was going into the Hall of Fame and also um, just inter- introduce a few of the alums that were there. And he did an unbelievable job of of introducing Altrost, obviously who's a legend, um, Val, uh, Pat McBride, and 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 gave them a little bit of a some inside into the 67 team so it was quite it was quite a day well i i can't thank you guys enough because at, at the end of the day what do we do here we focus on the kids today how do we educate how we compete how we build community but we also are here to celebrate the past and move the f- future forward and it's so to the extent that we can do that, that's how you build great programs. Well, I, I, Chris, I can't, I can't agree more. And I, your three buzzwords are educate, compete, and build community. Uh, that's what intercollegiate sports are supposed to be about. Uh, some players from various sports playing intercollegiately are going to go on and play professionally. And when I say some, I should emphasize very few. Right. Very few. So this is an intercollegiate atmosphere, and you are building 
Uh, the front of our shirt says St. Louis. We are in St. Louis, so it's very rare that a, that a college in the main part of your town, in Midtown St. Louis, very unusual that the name of your city is on the name of your shirt is in an intercollegiate atmosphere. Mm-hmm. So that, that's an overall huge, that's a huge portion of what you're trying to do and capture in an intercollegiate atmosphere. We have a, a, a distinct legacy here. The, uh, the baseball Cardinals have Stan Musial, obviously, Bob Gibson, Ozzie Smith, Lou Brock. Uh, to another extent, on the intercollegiate atmosphere, in particular for soccer, other sports as well, but for soccer, Al Trost, Pat McBride, uh, Don Cerisi, Carl Gentile, uh, Brian McBride. Brian McBride played, played in three World Cups, 98, 02, and 06. Uh, he was one of the best soccer players in the United States. He once wore a St. Louis University soccer uniform. Al Trost, Mike Siri, Dan Counts, they all won Herman Tro- Al Trost and Mike Siri won two Herman trophies apiece. Dan Counts won one. Matt McEwen won one. Uh, Pat McBride was the first American signed in the North American Soccer League um, from St. Louis University. Uh, so the players who have gone on to do so much for not just uh, prolonging the legacy in our city, they all pretty much, not all, not all, but pretty much all the big names got their start at St. Louis University. Well, I want to thank you guys. It was a, it's been a great Hall of Fame, and it is an honor to have you guys help us celebrate our past and to really translate to that to our kids today. So thank you for joining us. Our pleasure. We appreciate it. We'll do it again. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for listening to From the Stands with Billiken Athletic Director Chris May. Subscribe to our podcast in the iTunes store and have the latest episodes sent straight to your phone. Until next month, go Billigans. Billigans.